beautiful week this week with God's presence touching people. God always wants to touch our lives. All we have to do is position ourselves for that to happen. And uh, just uh, saying a little bit about us, uh, we uh, come from New Zealand. We have a, a family of seven children and uh, now 20 grandchildren sprouting up all over, taking over the world. We're spread around the world and Ireland and London and Indonesia and a little bit around New Zealand as well. And uh, we pastor a church in Hastings, New Zealand, and, uh, but we uh, have been ministering primarily in Asia, a little bit in Australia as well. It's a great joy to be back with you, and, uh, to, and we believe in together that God will help you tonight, that God will touch you. I want to share with you things that have helped us and things that can help you. And uh, always, it depends on how we respond personally to God. I don't want to persuade you about anything. I want to open your heart and open your eyes to something that may be hindering you from moving forward and give an opportunity for you at the end of the service to open your heart to let God touch you. And he certainly does want to do that. And uh, this week we've seen God move very, very powerfully. And uh, I just love being in this church, which is so open for the Spirit of God to move. So who knows what God will do in your life? Amen? Tonight. And uh, then tomorrow we have a different message in the morning and the second morning service is a different message again. So do feel free to come to any of the services and, uh, and uh, to let God touch you. If you want to know some of the things we teach and minister, they're available free on my website, My Connell Ministries, uh, which I always forget to say anything about, but I have to remember this. <laughs> and you can download manuals and, uh, and messages that can encourage and help you. So I want you to open your Bible with me. I want you to have a look with me. In uh, We're going to start off in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and then we're going to look at a passage in the uh, Old Testament. And uh, while you're finding Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to look at uh, uh, one verse in there, and it is uh, verse 15. And uh, I was in uh, Singapore. I was in a Bible school, and uh, we had a number of students there, which I go there every year to teach, and teach on deliverance, moving in the Spirit, and so on. And uh, we had, uh, I had started to move in some words of knowledge, and uh, there was a young man came forward on a word of knowledge, and he had a, the word knowledge was the young man, such and such age, and he had a pain in his right shoulder. So this young man came up, and as he came up, God began to speak to me and said, he, uh, he's got a deep root of bitterness against his father. And so the young man came up to the front, and he was obviously in pain, and I said to him, uh, tell me, how do you get on with your father? And he said, oh, fine, love my dad. And uh, I said, well, Lord, you have to help me now. And... Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and then God dropped some other thoughts down. I said, isn't it true your father travels a lot? And he said, that's right. And I said, isn't it true he's away for all of the important events and actually been quite angry and resentful about him being away? And he said, that's also true. I said, isn't it true that you've become quite bitter recently about your dad not being there for you? And he said, that's true. He said, well, the Lord showed me that what you have afflicting you is a spirit of infirmity. And the problem you've got in your shoulder is caused by a demonic spirit, a spirit of infirmity that's had access to your life through a deep root of bitterness. And so if you just let go and forgive your dad right now, just release blessing upon him and start to focus on appreciating and honoring him as God says to do, then you can be delivered and set free very quickly from the spirit of infirmity. And because uh, the Bible says, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and you may live long. In other words, there's a promise attached to this principle of honor. And I said, in your heart, no matter where your father's lacks are, you have dishonored him and become bitter. You've given room for your life to suffer immensely. So in front of the group there, he forgave his dad. He just spoke words. He just released forgiveness. And I prayed. The spirit of infirmity came out of him, and he got quite a massive deliverance. And I said, how are you doing now? Is any change? He said, yeah. He said, oh, my shoulder's completely free of pain. And, and then I thought, well, that's good. But then he said, oh, there's more. And he said, actually, I have pains in almost every joint in my body, and all of the pain is gone. And, and he said, and there's more. He said, I went to the doctor this week, and he said, my back is stiffening. By the age of 40, I would not be able to bend over at all. I'd have no movement in my spine. And he said, my spine is completely free. I said, really bend over and he bent right over touched the ground and he was up again he had totally got free and what was a shock for all the students was to connect that physical sickness created by a spirit of infirmity had found a root in his life because of an unresolved offense in the heart 
And my experience, no matter where I go, everywhere in the world, many Christians don't enter into the things God has for them because they have issues of bitterness they've never resolved. Bitterness is one of the most widespread problems we uncover everywhere we go. And uh, so I'll share some stories about it. I want to just share with you a, a simple story uh, in a moment. But just let's have a look at a key verse. And uh, here it is here. It says, uh, now, you've got to get the context for this. The context for this in Hebrews 11, God is talking about men of faith who believed God and prevailed and won victories. Then men of faith who held on to God and suffered through great adversity. And then in Hebrews 12 at the beginning, he begins to talk to us about us running our race, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. And then shortly after that, he talks about God taking us through a disciplining process or a discipling process. And he said, now, look, and he comes to this point here. He said, be careful or look carefully or literally watch over or oversee your life lest any, you saw any fall short of the grace of God, any root of bitterness spring up, causing trouble, and by this many people are defiled. So in the context of us running our race and facing difficulties, God works to bring up out of our heart issues where bitterness is found its way. And he says, he, he warns us, he said, in all the adversities or the difficulties you face in life, guard your heart above all things. Because it's very easy to let go of grace. Grace is generosity, undeserved generosity. Grace is God's power moving to be able to change you. He said, don't let go of the power of God to change you and instead let bitterness rise up like a root inside you. He said, it's a plant that gets in the heart. And when it gets in the heart, it grows and it says it stains and defiles people. Many people defiles your relationships. Now, we don't kind of think of it. We don't even see it. But most people don't even recognize goodness when they see it. And what I want to do is I want to take you through a story and show you how God took uh, his people through a difficult situation in order to flush up what was in their heart and to give them room to be healed and shifted and changed so they could enter their inheritance. We're going to go back to the Old Testament to have a look at that. And uh, so let's have a look now in Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 15. We just look and find that Exodus chapter 15. And uh, this is, I, I just love this, a brilliant prophetic picture, brilliant prophetic story. And yet in it is some tremendous truth. So Exodus chapter 15. And we read from verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. So, what's like saying? He took them out into the desert in Western Australia and no water after three days. And when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. And the name of it was called Marah, which means bitter. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What will we drink? And he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he cast it into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. And he made a statue and an ordinance for them and tested them. Then he said, If you heed diligently the voice of the Lord your God, doing what's right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I'll put on you none of the diseases which I brought on the Egyptians. I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, and camped there by the waters. So, the first thing to see is just having a look at the background now. Israel has just had a mighty deliverance. They've come out of Egypt. They've, they've spent years in bondage, years in slavery. They've been rescued, delivered, and they've been singing and rejoicing. They came out singing as they saw all of their enemies defeated. They've come from a place of singing. Now, notice, here's the first thing to notice is life is a mixture of experiences. Some are sweet, some are bitter. For all of us, we're on a journey. And so God takes us on a journey after we've been saved. And that journey is a lifelong journey following Jesus. You know what Jesus said? He said, follow me. In other words, pursue me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. And I will make you to become. In other words, there's a process of changing your life. And you will become a fisher of men or your life will be attractive to people. So you can gather people. So as we pursue Jesus, we're on a lifelong journey, and it's called a journey of change. 
And uh, so God has got them on a journey. And in the journey, how many of you found since you followed the Lord, not everything went quite like you thought? How many of you found when you started following the Lord, you had some wonderful experiences, but you had some incredible challenging experiences, some very difficult experiences, and some things you just don't even know why they happened. That's a common for all of us. That's our experience. So we're on a journey in life. And so they'd experienced a great breakthrough. Now they faced a situation which was quite bitter for them. Notice what they found, and this is what happens. They're going out in the desert. They've gone three days. They had an expectation of God doing great things. And after three days, the first thing was no water. No water. They suffered lack. So the first experience that God brought them to was a place where there was lack and it seemed like God was indifferent to their need. How many of you have gone through a time, whether it be financial lack or some other kind of situation, seemed as you prayed, God didn't seem to do anything about it. It seemed like he was a bit indifferent to your need. The second thing you notice about this is when they actually found water, the water was bitter and, and, and so they experienced disappointment. You can imagine after three days being thirsty and they found the water and then to drink it and find it very bitter. What a disappointment. So you notice they suffered two things. They suffered lack, no apparent provision, and seeming like now they were facing imminent death. Secondly, when they did get provision, it wasn't what they expected. It was something they couldn't drink, and so there was disappointment. And I have found in my life as a Christian, as a, as a believer in following the Lord, there's been seasons and times where there has been difficulties, extreme difficulties, sometimes great lack, sometimes quite some disappointing things happen. Yet, in that journey, God remains faithful. And God has something he wants to do in our lives through these kind of situations. So they had unexpected disappointment. If you were to journey back through your life in your Christian walk, any of you might have had an experience which is quite disappointing. You couldn't understand why God permitted or allowed it or why you went through that thing. But God has a purpose for all of these events in our life. And we'll see what it is in just a moment. If you have a look at the next verse down, you see when they came to Mara, the, the, the water was bitter. Verse 24, and the people complained. And they complained against Moses, blaming Moses, saying, what do we drink? And you notice the next thing we see in the story is difficulties in life setbacks in life have a way of surfacing what is in our heart. God is interested in your heart because the Bible says out of your heart flows the issues of your life. So the life you're living now reflects what you believe in your heart. The life that you're, uh, that's at work now is a reflection of what you believe and what is established in your heart. Now people find that hard to get a hold of but it's a very true scriptural truth that the life you live it's not determined by all the people around you. It actually is determined by what you believe and how you interact. Out of the heart flows the issues of your life or flows the borders, boundaries, and limitations of your life. People find this very difficult to get a hold of. And uh, I, I was praying for one girl. I had one girl I spoke with and she was in Taiwan. And she, I don't know why they even asked, you know, this could have been counseled by the staff, but anyway, they gave me this girl to talk to so I said, what is it, you, how can I help you? And she said, well, I'm trying to decide whether I should marry this young man who wants me to marry him. I said, well, is he a believer? She said, no. Well, we could almost end the conversation now, couldn't we? And uh, I said, tell me more. And so she told me her story. And, and she had a relationship with this guy. Obviously, they've been sleeping together. And uh, then the relationship broke up. She went with some other guy, had a, had a child to him, and now she's got a baby, broke up with him. And now the first guy has come back and is wanting to have uh, to marry her. And I said, well, is he a Christian now? He said, no. I said, why, well, if this, I said well, why did you break up the first time? He said, well, he was unfaithful to me. I said, how many times? He said, well, three different women while we were going together, he was unfaithful. And I said, so he was unfaithful, that's why you broke up. He hasn't come to Christ and hasn't changed. Why would the future be any different? But I could tell she was set on wanting to marry this guy. So I thought I need to probe a little bit further why it is that having had painful experiences, she hadn't seemed to have learned anything and was continuing down the same path. 
I said, tell me about your own family. What about your father? How do you get on with him? I don't see him very much. I said, why is that? He said, well, uh, the marriage broke up. Our family broke up when I was a teenager. I said, oh, that's interesting. I'm very sad to hear that. He said, no, I have nothing to do with my father now. I said, can you tell me why it broke up? He said, oh, my father was unfaithful. Really? So just out of curiosity, how many times? She said, three times. I said, well, look. I said, what's happened is this. You were deeply impacted by what you went through. And it's understandable that as a teenager, this would be a very painful experience. But instead of bringing grace into it, instead of bringing the life of God into it and becoming changed in the midst of it, you have become bitter against your father. You have judged your father as causing the pain in your life. And now you're about to recreate the very same situation you left. In other words, you have attracted into your life because of your bitter judgments the very situation that caused you pain the first time. You were literally like a magnet because of what is in your heart. I said, what you're about to do is about to create huge pain and destruction in your life and it's rooted in bitterness and judgments in your heart. You know what? He said, I don't see that. I said, well, then I can't really help you because the path you're going on, you've set your heart on. It's like you're about to reap years of bitterness against your father. Unless you repent and change, I know exactly what's going to happen to you, and I can predict it for you. You need to come to a place of recognizing the situation you're currently in is the outworking of something you've never resolved. It's just like you've pulled it like a magnet back into your life. And uh, in that particular situation, she did not deal with it, and we don't know how she got on or what happened. So here's the thing. Did you notice when these people came into difficulty, now notice that they had been celebrating, rejoicing, and singing, and now they're complaining bitterly and blaming Moses. In other words, the difficulty and setback pulled up inside their heart something that was there. If we read in Exodus 1, it tells that they were, their lives were bitter because of hard bondage. In other words, there were deep roots of bitterness. There were deep belief systems that we are victims, we are slaves, we are powerless. And so they lived a life, like all victim-thinking people do, they lived a life of blaming and complaining. So the blaming, complaining is a fruit of bitterness. You hear someone complaining, I can tell you now there's bitterness in their heart. You hear someone blaming, there's bitterness in their heart. Blaming and complaining are roots or are evidence or the fruit of bitterness. And it defiles. You remember that as a result of their blaming and complaining, they never access what God had for them. Now, let's have a look at the story. God, did God know that was in their heart? Yes, indeed he did. What God is wanting to do is to shift the way they see themselves. He's wanting to shift them from a victim mentality, seeing themselves as victims and powerless, and he's wanting to change them so that they embrace their identity as children of God, men and women of faith. In order to enter what God has for them, they have to experience an internal transformation from being a victim and a slave and powerless and bitter and blaming and become a child of God their identity as sons of their father with his provision in every circumstances and people of faith that can move and possess their inheritance. So how does God change them? How does he get them from being slaves and their whole identity, I am a slave, I am powerless, I'm a victim, and someone else is to blame? How does he get them to taking responsibility, rising up, and beginning to believe that they can conquer the land? He has to deal with the issues of the heart. And so God brings them, he planned the journey for them. The journey was a short journey, it was only a 10 day journey. It turned into a 40 year disaster. Why did it turn into a 40 year disaster? Because they refused to deal with bitterness in their heart. So instead of in 10 days being prepared by God to enter in and possess their inheritance, they kept going through repeated testings and difficulties and challenges to address what was lying in their heart. All they needed to do was to shift in their heart. And the issue of their heart was one of bitterness. And so God wanted to change them. You notice that this whole issue here 
the waters of Marah, Marah meaning bitter. The whole of this story is about roots of bitterness and how God deals with them through bringing grace, through bringing the cross into it. And you notice that there's a close connection between bitterness and the need to be healed, the need to be set free. Some of you today already may be suffering in your life because of bitterness in your life. And God wants to access that part that's hurt and bring freedom, bring release to you. That's what he wants to do. So one of the difficulties is, is people don't recognize bitterness easily. If I was to ask a Christian, are you bitter? They'll say, no. I come to church, I praise the Lord, I sing, and I, I do these things. So I've uh, identified some uh, evidences that are, are, are indicators that bitterness lies in the heart. And I want to give you some of them. Uh, they can be found in a whole number of places, so I'll just cite just two or three without going looking them up, because you know your Bible well enough to do that. Let me just give you a few examples. Now, the first evidence is complaining and blaming. first evidence is complaining and blaming. You hear someone complaining, you hear someone blaming, not long underneath there are roots. Bitterness produces a fruit, complaining and blaming. Here's another thing, a third thing, is lack of joy. Lack of joy. People are bitter, can't be joyful. It actually shows on the face. And it's quite surprising. I see a lot of a lot of people in churches, and you catch them in certain moments, and you can see the bitterness on their face. Like it's sour. You know? Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So the joy that God wants to put in your life is moved by being empowered by the Holy Spirit. But bitterness leaves the Holy Spirit. A lot of people don't have joy. Because there's a constant conflict going on in their soul over this issue of being able to celebrate, rejoice, and deal with the bitter roots. And so, lack of joy. And I, when I go around, I say, I think one of the things that I found is the most wonderful thing about being a believer is to be able to laugh and have joy. Laugh and have joy. Kingdom of heaven is full of joy. Heaven in your presence is full of joy. Uh, if you're joyful, it should show on your face. You think, my, whatever you've got, I don't want to catch it. It's not good for me. Saw a motor sign up on the outside, he's saying, making life better. So when you come out of here, there's going to be joy. <laughs> look, happy people. Some people look at Christians and say, whatever you've got, I don't want what you've got. I don't see any joy. I don't see any laughter. It just seems like there's something around you that I don't really want. Joy is extremely contagious. It's extremely attractive. People who are laughing and enjoying relationship, enjoying life, enjoying God, it is attractive to people. You get, you get in a building, you get a group of people laughing, it is hard not to want to go down and find out what they're laughing about. It is really hard because it's so attractive. You see, I'm missing out is what you think. Joy. Joy. Joy of the Holy Ghost. See, that's a lack of joy. <laughs> Here's another. Inability to celebrate the victories of others. Inability to celebrate the victories of others is another fruit of, this, of bitterness. You just can't get happy about someone else getting ahead. That's the fruit of bitterness. Can't celebrate. Oh, you, you know, someone buys a new car. Yeah. How come he got that? Right? Yeah, and, and there's a bitterness. It just immediately just comes up like that. Someone gets promoted. Oh, how come I didn't get that? Right what do you do to deserve that? Someone gets put in a position in the church. Oh. He can't celebrate. A classic example of a person with bitterness, and Jesus told this parable, and we told the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15, and the prodigal son went out and blew it big time, blew the inheritance, had the wildlife, went into a mess, came back and repented, and the father put on a party for him. But when the older brother, the goody-goody, who served and never did anything wrong and came to church every Sunday, when he saw this younger brother get a party, it says he wasn't happy about it at all. He's very angry. And he wouldn't enter in. He couldn't enjoy someone else's victory. 
an evidence of bitterness. He was deeply bitter. Elder brother. And so Jesus told the story to highlight that religious people are usually very bitter people who can be in church and unable to enjoy God and enjoy the blessings. And it shows up when someone else gets ahead in life. They can't celebrate. This is, this is a fruit of something else. And so the, the, the young man got like that. And here's the next thing you notice about people that are bitter is that they usually harbor judgments. And judgments usually go like this. Bitter judgments go like, well, you never do this. You notice the, 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 the elder brother, when his father came out to appeal to him, said, I've served all this time. You never. You see, the bitterness in his heart of wanting, never having, and in the end judging his own father. Man will never treat you right. That's a bit of judgment. Women will always control you. That's a bit of judgment. People in authority will always put you down. That's a bit of judgment. And it goes on and on and on. And those judgments have a way, we have a way of reaping them in our life. Another evidence of, uh, of bitterness in the heart is striving and struggling for power. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, we find there's a guy, Simon the Sorcerer, and he just wanted power. He wanted the power ministry. He wanted position. He wanted recognition. And Peter put the finger on him and said, you've got bitterness in your heart. I found when people get into the occult, it's because underneath it's driven by bitterness. You have a look at some of these uh, crazy actions of, of people who go out shooting and killing and whatever. You've seen a number of them on the TV in America. Underneath it, deep bitterness and a search for some form of power. Often when men feel bitterness about being rejected, they find comfort in pornography, but the root underneath it is bitterness. Trying to find a place of power and comfort in something to deal with what really needs to be faced as an issue of the heart. So these, these are sort of all evidence of it. Another, another evidence of bitterness is cycles of defeat in life, where a person keeps going through the same sort of cycle of defeat Usually there's a bit of judgment going on inside the person. There's some roots of bitterness in the heart that have never been dealt with, never been addressed. And you see this all in the story of the elder brother. Always in the story of the elder brother. Uh, another, um, another example of this is the story of Michael, David's wife. Now, if you remember, David fell in love with Michael. She's the love of his life. And he, she loved him. And so they got married. But Saul, her father, is wanting to use his daughter to get to, to this man. And he's extremely jealous. So in the end, Michael found out about the plan, got David out. David escaped. David became a hunted fugitive. There's a price on his life. Any time he got near anyone, made any friends, Saul would kill them. It was an incredibly painful, difficult time. Michael, David's wife, Saul just considered her husband dead, and even though she loved him, he just forced her to marry someone else and live with someone else. And so Saul abused both of them. Both of them suffered under King Saul. But God had a plan to bring them together to be restored and to enter into a revival, the greatest season in Israel's history. And eventually Saul died. David came up into the throne. First thing he did is bring Michael, his wife, back to be with him. And then the next thing he wants to do is bring a celebration of the goodness of God. And the Bible tells us, 2 Samuel 6, that when he was celebrating and dancing and bringing the presence of God, and it says, Michael looked through the window and despised him. She could not, notice this, no joy, couldn't enter in, couldn't participate in what God was doing, and then when her husband came home, she just despised him and spoke little words to him. So one of the final things we see with bitterness, it comes in sharp, cutting words that strip you down. So those are some of the evidence. Now here's the thing. What should have been the greatest day for them both? David entered into it, and he participated in it, and celebrated in it. Why? Because he kept his heart free from bitterness against Saul. He found the grace of God to forgive him and release him. Michael, his wife, she just became bitter against her father, bitter against her husband, 
And when the time for revival came, when she was positioned finally by God to have a blessed life, she couldn't enter into any of it. She couldn't participate in worship. She couldn't participate in a marriage. She couldn't participate in celebration. She couldn't be grateful in any kind of way. She couldn't do anything for what God had done. And the Bible says she was barren. Therefore, she was barren. The bitterness affects our physical health as well. So these are quite a number of things. And they're all, you can find them scattered around the Bible in different places. And usually I found that people are unaware they're bitter, but trials and difficulties pull it up to the surface. Pressures you face have a way of pulling up out of your heart, out of your mouth, what is in there. And God wants to use this as an opportunity for you to grow. Isn't that fair enough? Fair enough. Let me tell you, just uh, the Bible, Jesus taught this. He taught in Matthew chapter 18, verse 34 and 35. He said that if we harbor unforgiveness in our heart, it opens doorways for spirits to torment. So bitterness will open the way for torments and sickness in people's lives. We cannot afford to let our heart become sad. To let our heart become hard. To lose the ability to rejoice in others' success. To enter into what God is doing. To celebrate. To be thankful for what we have. God wants to help us through those things. And I believe tonight that God is wanting to provide us, wanting to help you. If we read down here in verse 25, the people complained that Moses did what needed to be done. It says, Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and when he cast the tree in the waters, the bitter waters were made sweet. I want to open up some thoughts on that. And, and get some insight on how we can get free. First thing to recognize here is this. God anticipates and makes provision for your need. Notice, from the point of view of Israel, Israel is on a journey, and Israel can only see we've gone three days, and this water we've got is really bitter water. What they didn't see is long before they got to that bitter water, God already had a tree growing. He had looked ahead and he made a provision ahead of time for the waters to be healed and for them to be healed. Long before they encountered this experience that flushed up how bitter they were after life and bondage, God had already provided for that. And beyond that, they were a little bit further down the road, there was this abundant place of water and palm trees. In other words, God had planned the journey carefully that before he brought them into this abundance, he would flush up their need for heart transformation. I wonder what God has got ahead for each of you and for you as a group. I wonder what it is he's taken you through in this last month or three weeks or whatever it is that's flushed up some things in the heart that God's saying, listen to yourself. Look at yourself. I want to change you. I want to help you. I've made provision for that. I've made provision for that. And you may be thinking, it's not fair what's happening. You may be thinking, I'm suffering. It's unjust how I'm treated. It's, this thing's happening or that thing's happening or whatever. And be going through turmoil in your life. And God's saying, look at yourself. Listen to yourself. I made provision for that. Why don't you examine your heart and see what's coming up in the midst of your difficulty. Is faith and praise coming up? Or is bitterness rising up and beginning to flow out? God wants to heal all of that. God wants to heal all that. So let's have a look what happened in the story, and then we're going to look how we can justify it. Number one, first thing we see is Moses cried to the Lord. Whatever you're facing right now, if there's difficulty, a pressure, a setback, uncertainty, challenges, the first thing to do is to connect with God and get his perspective. Get his perspective. Because when the people looked, all they could see was the problem. When Moses looked, he looked to God and found the solution. Second thing is, we need to listen to what God has to say about our situation. God spoke to him. In other words, he got revelation. He listened. He positioned himself to hear what God wanted to say. Third thing is, that God drew his attention prophetically to the cross. The cross is the greatest injustice of all. The cross is where sin and bitterness and injustice is dealt with. So prophetically, God showed Moses well ahead to a day when Jesus would hang on a tree, would die on a cross for the sins of the world, and would say, Father, forgive them. When the disciples saw
saw him being rejected, he said, let's put fire down and burn him. He said, you don't know what spirit you are. I've come to save people, not destroy them. So you notice in the situation, the first thing was to come near to the Lord and get his perspective on the situation. You're facing something right now. God has made provision for you to be healed. He's made provision for you to go ahead. He's made provision for your need. But you've got to get your eyes on him, not on what you're experiencing. Lift your eyes to him. So begin to start to come near to him. Second thing, begin to listen to him and let him show you what it is he wants you to face and deal with. Third thing is, God showed him the tree. Moses, that is, God showed him the tree, but Moses had to apply the tree to the waters. You can read and hear all about what Jesus did on the cross, but until you apply it personally to your life, it has no effect. You, you can understand that Jesus died to set us free of evil spirits, but until you apply what he's done to your life, it doesn't benefit you. We apply it by faith. Let me give you just a couple of things that you can do that will actually help in this area. Number one, face the disappointment or setback or difficulty. Face it honestly and just look at this experience you're going through right now. As pastors and as people, we have gone through some incredibly difficult times in life. We've seen challenges with our children. We went through a very difficult situation with one of our daughters where at the age of 12 she was raped by a young man. And we never found out about it for about four years. And then when we did find out, we found out only because of a crisis in her life and ended up the police being involved. And this is an incredibly painful experience. And in the midst of it, I found I'd become very angry with God and disappointed with God. I expected, since we're serving you, you would look after us. I expected, because I prayed for my family, you would protect our family. I can't understand why you have let us down. In other words, bitterness and pain coming up out of a heart that's been broken. And I remember we, Joe and I would just worship together and just weep together trying to find a resolution for this problem that would not go away. It just wouldn't go away. We couldn't make it go away. We uh, got involved in, uh, with uh, counselors. Counselors um, started to think that perhaps we had caused the problem. And so this was a very, very difficult situation where we couldn't stop what had happened and we couldn't fix what had happened. We were facing bitter water. Very bitter water very difficult time. And all we could do was to set our eyes on the Lord to ask Him what to do. And we began to pray and worship and I found it personally very difficult. I didn't want to talk to God. I was angry with Him. Some people don't think you can be like that, but it's very easy to be angry with God when you have a setback. I think, well, I'm pastoring a church and we've given our lives to serving God. Why would God let this happen? A lot of people have that question. It's not a question that God will answer. He'll never answer the question, why? What he does answer is a different question. So I remember at the end, pouring out my heart one day to the Lord and just letting all my feelings come out and my frustration come out. And when I did that, there was a silence. And I heard God just speak to me very clearly. He said, I'm not committed to your comfort. I am committed to your character. I'm not committed to the comfortable life. I'm committed to you growing in character. He said sometimes things will happen which are harmful or difficult. And he said, I can redeem them and advance you in my purposes. And I was quite shocked by that. And so on that day I wept and, and began to just open my heart to the Lord. And the Lord said, do you know how you feel about your daughter? I said, yes. He said, that's how I feel about my church. And it gets defiled by all kinds of influences. And I began to just weep with God rather than weeping before him, understanding his heart and the compassion he had. And from that point, uh, we came into a place of hope that it could shift. And about three months later, my daughter had the most amazing encounter with heaven, and that thing just shifted her life virtually in a moment. We uh, felt to take her to a place, Toronto was having a revival then, and and we were offered, uh, just invited to go there, and uh, and I didn't really want to go. We already had that move of the Spirit taking place, and so we, we don't need to go. We already got it happening here. I still felt like I knew we needed to go, and 
and, uh, and someone said, why don't you take your daughter? And we said, well, Lord, if you provide the money, then we'll take our daughter. And, and immediately, the next day, a lady turns out and said, I just got a blessing for your family, and it was the money for the airfield. Just like that, without knowing anything. See, God already has the provision. He's got the future plan, and it's all good. But difficulties bring up what is in your heart. And so we went there, and we were there for seven nights, and she'd come up, pray, get prayed for, and just got home, and nothing much happened for six nights. That seventh night, I'm getting a bit desperate, thinking, Jesus, you got to help. Yeah, we've come all this way. What's going to happen? And so anyway, we looked around, and she'd, she'd gone home again. And I, I rung her up and said, look, come, please come back. Uh, we want Carol uh, to pray for you. And uh, so she said, oh, Dad, you won't believe what's happened. I said, what's happened? She said, well, when I got prayed for, someone prophesied, when you go home, God's going to do something special for you. And she said, I studied, and someone else came up, prophesied the same Three times people prophesied the same thing. She said, well, I thought, oh, no, where home is the back at the hotel or back in New Zealand. I'll go back to the hotel. She said, I went to the hotel, instead of turning on TV, I sat down and waited for about five to ten minutes. She said, then suddenly, I had an open vision. I could see angels filling the room. And they were worshipping. And one of them spoke to me and said, we've been looking forward to this time. We have something special for you. And they parted. So I saw a little girl, and it was me when I was younger, when I was 12. And she ran to me like she ran through me. I looked around, she'd gone. And I realized that God had healed me. And so what happened when we returned, it's like her life just changed like that. Just extraordinary. So no matter what you have been through, God already has a provision for you. He looks ahead and sees that there's a provision for you. It doesn't matter what hardship, difficulty, pain, whatever bitter experience, you choose whether you become bitter or bring grace into it. To bring grace into it means you stop blaming and complaining and you look to God and say, God, I believe your power is enough to come into my life, to change me, and to change the situation around. You've got to make a decision to come near to God and face the situation. Listen to your heart. What's coming up out of your heart? And then begin to release forgiveness. It's important that we deal with the roots of bitterness. through so repenting, asking God to forgive us, and releasing forgiveness to those of heaven. That is grace. That's what God says. Let no man fall from the grace of God and let bitterness come up. I've watched over the years many believers and, and I've seen them go through difficulties and the saddest thing is to see that in the difficulty they become bitter and walk away from God and walk away from his people. God doesn't want that. He's made provision in your difficult situation for you to experience grace to be healed, not just helped, but healed and made to become a better person. But you make the choice. You make the choice. In the story of Joseph, when Joseph's brothers eventually were restored to him in Genesis 45, he said, don't blame yourself for what you did to me. It's not you, but God sent me. He had a plan for my life. God understood the destiny for Joseph. And Joseph experienced these bitter experiences, but he came to a place where he could see God was making a great man. And he accessed grace and became a great person. Whatever you've been through is your story. That the choices you make determine whether you become a great person or become a bitter person. The choices you make determine whether you stay where you've been hurt and then keep repeating the cycle of failure, or whether you arise and say, God, your grace is sufficient for me. You make that choice, not God. God's already made the provision. You have to decide whether you'll face what's in your heart and bring it to the cross and let the grace of God sweeten you and choose to forgive people and sweeten the situation. It's very simple. Come to Him, face what's in your heart, Find his grace to give your sin, to release you from the sin, and then release grace to others. Break your judgment you've made and start to bless the people who hurt you. Just as Joseph did, just as Jesus did. Jesus, having been crucified in Jerusalem, 
made it the first place of call to offer hope for everyone. That's how you overcome bitterness. You become a man or woman of grace. A man or woman who trusts God, reaches into God, lets it come, becomes sweet, and let the sweet waters flow, it's been bitter. You and I have made it a choice that no matter what people do, we will be generous to them. We will bless them. We will release them. We won't harbor the things in our heart, but we'll become bigger people because of this adversity. And that was what God was trying to do in Exodus 15. I wonder what he's trying to do in you. This would be your chance to ask him. Why don't you close your eyes right now? Just close our eyes, just a moment. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come right now and just speak into our heart if there's any root of bitterness, any place in our heart where there's been bitterness, where there's been anger, where we've held unforgiveness, where we've grieved the Holy Spirit instead of being kind and tender, being generous and forgiving, we've become bitter and angry and, and, and built walls in our heart. Lord, just bring that place to mind right now. Bring that person to mind. Bring that situation to mind. If you know that you've got an issue with someone with walls in your heart and in your zone, you know you've made a judgment against people because of what you've experienced, this is your moment to say, Jesus, I need you close to help me. I'm opening my heart to put this matter right. I'm opening my life to be free of this bitterness. Just while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I wonder how many people felt God speak to you, talk to you, touch you in an area of your life tonight that you might I need to change. Don't just raise your hand, that's you, just put your hand up. Double, 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 double. Thanks, A little later, just shortly in the meeting, we're going to give an opportunity for an altar call, and I'd love you to make your way forward, believing that God will touch you, break the bondage, and set you free. He's able to do it dramatically or simply he's able to set you free. just before we get to that point there's one other decision I'd like to just extend an invitation is anyone here tonight doesn't know Jesus Christ you're living a life without God a life without purpose a life that somehow is very empty God came into this earth in the person of Jesus Christ to show us how we can live life and be a better life Jesus died on the cross to deal with the issue of sin that keeps us separated from God. He rose from the dead after three days, showing and proving beyond doubt the victory over sin. He extended an invitation to all who received him that power to become a child of God. I'd just like to extend an invitation to any person here tonight, and you're not a Christian, you want to become a Christian, give your life to Jesus, become a follower of Jesus. That would be a great choice tonight. Why don't you make that decision tonight? I'd like you to raise your hand if that's you. I want to become a Christian. I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. Would you do that? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand. Anyone here tonight? Right at that place of decision making. Receive Christ. That's you. You raise your hand so I can see. Right now, before we move into a time of ministry and uh, those of you who need to go can be released. But uh, we just want to honor Pastor Michael and uh, take up a love offering for him, honor Harry and express our support for, for him and uh, the release of his ministry to different parts of the world where he goes. And so uh, we want to, in true Perth Christian life, in a uh, fashion express